Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. If you have your bulletin, you've got the Bible app open. We're just going to kick off this series. We call it the Christmas Starter Pack. And so and be able to look at what are these core essential things to be able to celebrate Christmas and be able to and to kick off Christmas. You've got to have a you gotta have a starter pack. And so um, you gotta have these core things that all go in there. And most of us, if we immediately begin to think about what our Christmas starter pack includes, um, a lot of times we can have stuff that's very American. And we forget sometimes that Christmas is not an American holiday. This is a, this is a Christian holiday. This is, this is the birth of Christ is celebrated everywhere that people call upon the name of the Lord. And it is celebrated in a lot of different ways. And so a, a true Christian Christmas starter pack has very little to do with what an American thinks of as the core things of Christmas. And I have no problems with them. I was... I sound a little rough right now. I took advantage of the 80-degree weather we had yesterday to be able to rake up my leaves and clean up my lawn and put my outdoor Christmas lights up on our house. And so, and then I, all my allergies got fired up, and that that part wasn't any fun. And so, but I've got no problem and no beef with any of the stuff. You know, we do the Christmas tree things. There are people who who you know get in a twist about Christmas trees and say it has has connections with Druid worship and, and the winter solstice and all of this stuff. You know what? When I look at a Christmas tree, I think of Jesus. I think of family. I, I think of the God who spoke trees into existence and the giver of all good things. When I look at a Christmas, that's what I see. I don't see some people in a weird hat, little Druid people jumping around somewhere. That is not what I see. If you see that, I'm sorry. We can pray for you. And so... Um, and, but, I, but I get it. I get it that Christmas, ha- there's different pieces of different things have kind of been co-opted and brought into this. And so what we want to do is, is it's not about pulling out the Christmas tree and it's not about wrapping the lights. And it's not about those things that, that so many times when we think about getting Christmas kicked off um, that, that we look at. was actually we're going to dial this all the way back to the stuff that every believer across the globe who's ever lived that has celebrated the birth of our Savior. These are the core things in a true Christmas starter pack. This is what it's about. It's not the lights and the tinsel and all of those different things. And, and this first concept that we're going to be kicking off with throughout this series is that, that Christmas starts with Christ. It starts with it. That's where it begins. There, without Christ, there is no Christmas. You can have a holiday party without Christ. You can have some sort of winter festival without Christ. But you cannot have Christmas without Jesus. It is about who Jesus is and is what he's done. And here we are. We've just had Thanksgiving. So it's official as far as everybody is concerned. I can do it. I can say it, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. All Black Friday, everywhere I'd see people, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And so, and because there's this low-key 
low-key social media tension. You know, everybody's going to fight on social media. We might as well fight over some low-key stuff. But, but the social media tension about when Christmas starts. And there are those who are the hardcore that Christmas did not start until you have finished the Thanksgiving leftovers, which for most people would be sometime mid-December. And so... You know, and then those that say, you know what, you've got to at least just let Thanksgiving, let, let that moment have its time, and then you can start Christmas. And at the, the uh, Clark household, we started Christmas. Our little girls could have had their little, their little um, Hallelujah Night party outfits for October 31, their little Halloween outfits. They could have had their picture in front of our Christmas tree because that Christmas tree was up in October. And so it's true. And for all you haters out there who have a problem with that, there's are, there have been studies, you've seen them on, on Facebook, that people who celebrate Christmas earlier are, over, are happier people. So we're just, we're just going to be happier in our household. And so, but there's this tension. It's like you can't do it. You can't put your Christmas tree up this time. You can't. When does it start? When does it start? When does it start? And there's all of this little low-key tension on when it starts. And even when it comes to... And even when it comes to Christmas, just the word Christmas, us as believers, we can get tense on the start of the word Christmas. And we can get all upset about about the X. I can't believe I just said it on a church stage, the X. Xmas. Oh, we can't say that. Actually, we can. We can. We get all wrapped up and get all tense because we say, well, you know what? We got to keep Christ in Christmas. Guess what? The X for back in the 1500s, it stood for Christ. The, <clears throat> when you look at the Greek alphabet, the Chi, anybody here part of Chi Alpha? Anybody be a Chi Alpha people on campus? There's Chi Alpha, it's XA, it's a it's Christian group. And, um, but anyways... When you spell Christ in Greek, the first letter in Christ in Greek is the X, is the chi. And with that, then it had been used from back in the 1500s, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that Xmas was, was recognized as a good version of Christian. In fact, Christians were a lot of times referenced in this as X-T-I-A-Ns, Christians. And so, and when it kind of made a resurgence at some point in the early 1900s, when a lot of shopkeepers were having their windows painted, they had to pay per letter. So in, in, to be able to keep their budget tight and to be able to do it in a respecting way, then they would have Merry Xmas written. And some of us believers who are not fully educated and not fully understand Take offense and say, you're trying to take Christ out of Christmas. No, they weren't. They weren't trying to take Christ out of Christmas. It was just another way to spell Christmas. It's the, it's the truth. You can study it historically if you want to. I like to spell Christ because I like to see the word Christ in Christmas. I like to see it. But I don't get upset and get all in a twist. But so many times we can get upset. The start of Christmas as a word, the start of Christmas as a season, the start of Christmas gets us in a twist so many times. When, when in the middle of all of this hubbub, we can actually miss what it's actually about. 
And let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 11. In fact, anybody of you who were part of Planet X back in the day, anybody Planet Xers back in the day, got a handful of my Planet Xers. That we, that's right, there we go. We used X, Planet X, because it stood for Christ. And we thought Planet Jesus. In fact, I, as a Generation Xer, I love that my generation is called Generation X. Because Generation Jesus, as far as I'm concerned. And so I love it. They thought they were, they were saying something negative to us. I'm like, are you kidding? My generation is Generation Jesus. I'm all about that. Uh, generation Christ. God's anointed generation, bless God. Come on, millennials. What's that? At least the boomers went boom. We're Jesus. What's up with the millennials? And so uh, I don't even give me on Generation Y. We're still wondering why. So uh, let's get back to Luke. Luke chapter, <clears throat> Luke chapter 2 verse 11. It says, uh, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you and, and <clears throat> you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. What an amazing thing. We're so used to this. We've heard this growing up in America, and, and whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, this phrase, this, this little couple of verses, you're familiar with it, and, and we get the nice little warm fuzzies. But when this was declared, this seemed weird. This was weird. We understand about swaddling we understand about that, about wrapping babies up. But back then, those, cl those cloths that were used, they were mainly used for burial preparation. So you're going to find a baby wrapped in these burial clothes and laying in a feed trough. Why would anybody wrap a newborn baby in burial clothes and stick it in a place where a cow is going to stick its face? That makes no sense. That makes no sense. And this is going to be the Savior the Savior of the world is going to be in this, in this odd, odd spot. But in the middle of it, this was a sign to them. They didn't just accidentally go into the wrong house and look into the wrong manger and look at the wrong baby. There was only one baby in any kind of manger in any place at that time. There's only one. When they showed up and they saw that baby wrapped in that swallowing clothes, lying in, in a feed trough, they're like, this is the one. There's not another one in all Israel tonight laying in a manger somewhere. It's not. It was unique. And he is the Savior of the world. When we look at a Christmas starter pack, we have to remember we are celebrating a Savior. We're celebrating a Savior. God gave us a Savior. A Savior was what we needed. A Savior was what our hearts cried out for. We needed a Savior. Matthew chapter 2 says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and, and the star they had, <clears throat> had seen when it rose went ahead of them till it stopped over the place where the child was. This is now the, the, the wise men. It says, and When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Here we see what we, part of celebrating and recognizing who Jesus is, is this place where even 
the wise and the learned and the kingly recognize that we need a Savior. It's not just the down and out that needs saving. It's the up and the educated that needs saving. We all need, we all need a Savior. The first one goes to the guys with the night watch in the, with the field. They've got the night shift out there in the field. The shift nobody else wants. But guess what? Somebody needed to put some food on the table. Somebody had some hungry mouths to feed. Somebody said, you know what? I'll take the extra shift. And they showed up. And guess what? The angels met them in the midnight hour as they were watching the, the flocks. These are some people who, were, who needed the work. These are people who needed to be able to be out there and working in an odd time. And guess what? It all, Jesus also showed up for those who had enough money to load up and to take the, the journey of a lifetime and load up camels and treasures and all those different things. Jesus is the Savior for the whole spectrum. Those who are having to pick up the extra shifts just to make ends meet. And those who have enough left over in their account to take a multiple month long journey to go and see this child. Jesus is the Savior of us all. He's the Savior of all humanity. He takes in the full scope of it. And we have to recognize that, that God gave us a Savior. And this is the greatest gift ever. You know, this coming Christmas, we're going to have those moments. Some kid's going to get excited and, and is going to run in there and he's going to tear into the gifts. And there's the gift under the tree. There always is the gift. So whether it's just one or maybe a bunch. But then there's also some other gifts. Because moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas like to, to make sure that there's a lot of things to open. So then we go into the store and we get socks. And we get underwear. And we get these other stuff and we wrap them up so that there's other stuff to open up. And then there's that, always that kid that runs and he grabs the wrong gift first. And he's so pumped, he's so excited, he runs out there and he grabs the gift and he tears it open and you just know there's going to be the thing, the thing, the thing. And he rips it open and it's uh, fruit of the loom. Are you serious? <laughs> serious? This was not on my list. This was not on my list. I've still got two pairs. They'll last me another two years. I'm good. <laughs> this was not on my list. And all of a sudden, yes, it, well, there was this need that was presented, but that wasn't exciting. All I was looking for is like the, 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 the movie The Christmas Story. Once that one and the dad kept it hidden behind the couch and said, go over there. And he was a little disappointed. He had tore into everything, and then he brings it out. And, and sure enough, opens it up, and it's the Red Rider BB gun, the thing he had his heart desired. So many times when we think about this season and we think about God giving us a savior, does our heart go say, God, you know, I, I did need it. Thank you. And do we kind of file that away under socks? Or do we look at the savior as that gift that our heart had desired and it, and it just said, you know what, I, I just... This was so what I needed, and this was so what I wanted. When we really begin to look at our lives, when we begin to see all the places that we still need the fullness of salvation to, be, to come forward, every year it excites me when I think about that God gave me a Savior. 
there are places where that God's salvation is still manifesting in my life. And when it's not quite there, the holiday season reminds me that I have a Savior that is going to bring that fully to life. There's parts of me on the inside I'm still struggling with. My Savior is at work, and I'm so thankful about that. There's a place where if I'm dealing with something physically, part of that salvation package was healing and wholeness. And I remember God gave me a Savior that, that included that. We have to, to look at that from that perspective. As we continue to move forward and understanding that God gave us a Savior, Luke, back to Luke chapter 2. Verse 10, it says, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. A Savior has been born. A Savior has been born. And then we we look at Matthew 21, 9. We jump forward. Here's Jesus's birth. He's the Savior. He's the Savior. We now jump to Matthew 21, which is normally associated with a different Christian holiday. This passage of Scripture is normally associated with with Palm Sunday and, and of course, Easter, which is not Jesus' birth, it's Jesus' death. But here we have on Palm Sunday, Matthew 21, verse 9, it says, the crowds that went ahead of him And those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And as they are shouting this, the the scriptures say that they take the the jackets off of their back, the cloaks off of their back, and and they're not like you and I. You know, when, when they go to their closet and said, I don't have anything to wear, they really didn't have anything to wear. They, did, they just had a very few outfits. We, we'd be able to just sort through all of our clothes and, and try to figure out what we're going to wear. When they took this off of their back, that was one of the few garments they had. And they laid it on the Jerusalem street for Jesus to be able to come in so his feet would not touch the dirt. They're like, this is our Savior. This is Hosanna. And, and Hosanna is not an English word. Hosanna is a Hebrew word, and Hosanna means, oh, save. Oh, save. As they are seeing Jesus, they are so excited, and they're they're crying out, save us, save us, save us. So many times we can just kind of go through life, and we deal with our different issues, and we bump our hands on different problems, and, and we feel like we can kind of handle it ourselves. This place of being a Texan and a West Texan, we, we, we can feel this strong independence. I just, I'll just do it myself. I'll do it myself. But there's a place where we're not going to be able to fully see the salvation that God wants to bring into our lives unless we recognize we need it. We have to recognize we need it and to be able to call out for it. This time, this time of year, we, we as, as the, the people of God ought to be referencing and looking at Places where we're excited about God bringing the fullness of his salvation into our lives. Hosanna means, oh, save. Psalm 57 verse 3 says, He sends from heaven and he saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. Selah, God sends his love 
and his faithfulness. When God sends his salvation, he's sending his love and his faithfulness. Sending that he cares about us and that we can rely on him. I love that when David writes this, if you, if you, if you had your, your Bible open, you're able to look and look up at the verse 1. It says that this is a psalm of David that he wrote when he was in the cave fleeing from Saul. He is not writing this psalm. Oh, God, had, God saved me. He sent his love and his faithfulness. God sent his love. Oh, it is so good. He, he's not sitting there whenever he's coming in to be anointed king. He is writing this and decreeing this when he is hiding for his life in a cave. So many times we have to, can sit there and forget that we've got to celebrate the Savior in the middle of the struggle. David celebrated the Savior in the middle of the struggle. I get it that not, not everybody's excited about the holiday season as we are. Some of you are, some, some of you are, 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 whenever you think about your Christmas starter pack, it's hurt, it's pain, it's rejection, it's frustration. Some of you, if you were to make your Christmas starter pack, the first thing that would be in your Christmas starter pack is a, is a trip to this person's house that you love and care for and that person that person isn't around anymore. Your starter pack is incomplete because you can't go have that meal with that person you love and you can't have that conversation. And this time of the year is incredibly, incredibly difficult for you. But it's in the middle of these moments where we do like David did and he shows us that we celebrate a Savior even in the middle of the places where we find that there is a place of struggle that we celebrated that God is our Savior. And quickly, I want us to look at a couple of places where God saved us and how he saved us and that we can all celebrate this truth. First off, that Jesus saves us from sin and death. So many times we think about that when we think about Easter. We think about that when we look at the cross. But when we look at the manger, we ought to celebrate the fact that God sent a child, sent Jesus to save us from sin and death. Matthew 1.21 says, and she'll give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. From the stuff they do, the problems they create, the wrecks they cause, He'll save them from that. And of course, John 10, 10 reminds us that the, ste- the, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But that Jesus says, I've come, they may have life, and they may have it to the full. Jesus comes to save us from, from sin and death. But then, in that, in saving us from sin and death, there's this beautiful other thing that, where we're saved from. And this is a place where we can really celebrate. Because in that, Jesus saves us. From ourselves. Jesus saves us from ourselves. I don't know about you, but the bulk of the pain and the difficulty that has come into Brandon Clark's life has been through Brandon Clark. Yes, there have been other people in my life who maybe I felt like didn't treat me right or did me wrong or some circumstances that didn't fall right, but the bulk of the frustrations. That if you, those things, if you could have the time machine and go fix something, it wasn't to stop somebody from doing something to me. It was stop Brandon from doing something to Brandon. To stop me. Those are the places. And I don't think I'm alone in this room on that. 
Most of us, there's this place where we're our own biggest source of pain and frustration. And Paul recognizes it. Paul sees it. In Romans chapter 7, Paul is, is, is frustrated. And he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, and then I do. But what I hate, huh, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, I no longer, I myself who do it, but sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I, <clears throat> for I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I, I, I want to do what's right. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that then I myself and my mind am a slave to God's law. But in, my, but in my sinful nature I'm a slave to the law of sin. He's talking about this tension. This tension of, of just dealing with yourself. Dealing with yourself and we see that God loved us so much. He saw that place of tension and he sent Jesus. Jesus who would deal with all the same stuff we would deal with and yet do it perfectly and without sin. And so many times as we are dealing with these different issues. We are dealing with these different things. We can feel ourselves trying to compensate. And we're like okay well I'm struggling over here so I'll, I'll double down over here. And then that doesn't work, and so I'll double down over here. And it feels like we're playing some sort of spiritual game of rock, paper, scissors. And we're just, okay, th this one's bound to win on some level. I'll just keep coming back to that. Oh, no, so they played paper. Ooh, I know how to deal with paper. Oh, here we go. And then, oh, no, and now, now they come at me. And we just keep going over and over again, hoping we play the right thing, knowing that the wrong move is going to end up in a loss. And that is what religious frustration is constantly tra chasing, trying to get the win, hoping to avoid the loss, knowing that we make the wrong move, it's going to catch us every time. And then God saw us in that frustration and sent and delivered us. This past Tuesday, I don't remember what we were trying to, to handle, but Pressy and I, our, our six-year-old, in fact, it was on her birthday, it was her sixth birthday, and um, so there was something that we were trying to deal with. And I was like, okay, let's do rock, paper, scissors. So we were doing rock, paper, scissors. And she and I just kept tying. Whatever we did, we just kept doing the same one. And so we, we tied about five times in a row. And then all of a sudden, she just sits there and she doesn't do that. She goes. And I said, what's that? She said, love beats everything. And I was like. There you go, you win. And then Brooklyn's sitting there and she's like, Dad, you don't even have to try to do sermon illustrations. They just give them to you. I said, they do. Why do you think I have so many kids? And so, and, and so, but it was, it was the truth. 
when you were caught in that thing, God sent Jesus. Love beats everything. We so we're not trapped in that cycle of what do I do on this part? Because I, if I, I'll make a mistake here, I'll do it right here, but that'll be a mistake on this side. And, and God sent Jesus and demonstrated his love, demonstrated his love for us. And that that beat everything. It beats everything. Titus 3 verse 4 says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs through the hope of eternal life. God did not call us to try to do this religious game better and to get in sync with him and to be able to do everything just right with him. God called us to be able to let love truly win in our lives, that he sent the Savior and all of that got dealt with so that we can live a different kind of life, a life not trying to chase this thing of perfection, but letting the perfect love change us from the inside out, letting us be truly transformed. That is what Christmas is about. Christmas is about love beats everything. Our bottom line today is that Christmas isn't Christmas without Christ. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.